Welcome to episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101, the foundations of our Catholic faith. These episodes originally premiered on YouTube. You can find the original video linked in the description to this episode, as well as a discussion guide for your benefit and whoever you might be listening with. A friendly reminder and invitation to please, if you have not yet done so, please rate and review this podcast. It helps other people find it. It's such a great way to get this podcast out there and for you to share it with others. But remember, the highest compliment you could pay this podcast and myself is to share this episode or any episode on social media. And you can do that by simply posting it on your story or tagging us in a post. At Mana Food for Thought is our Instagram handle. At Mana F4T is our Twitter and our Facebook page is just Mana Food for Thought. You can find all of that on our website, manafoodforthought.com, as well as all of our previous content. And if you'd like to become a financial sponsor for as little as $1 a month, you can do that by clicking on the Patreon tab on our website. If you have not yet done so, I really want to invite you to check out our friends at Thrive Coffee. It's Coffee with a Mission. Their website is drinkthrive.org, and they are a nonprofit craft coffee roaster in Richmond, Virginia. They use coffee to create careers and training opportunities for individuals with disabilities. Uh, they ship nationwide. Their beans are locally roasted in small batches. They make blends, and three bags sold pays for one hour of work for their differently abled employees. So go to drinkthrive.org, buy a few bags, and if you use promo code MANA, M-A-N-N-A, at checkout, you will get 15% off your first order. With that being said, enjoy the next installment in episode 101, a 34-part episode on Catholicism 101. Enjoy. This summer, I'll be going into my 15th year serving as a youth minister or minister of some kind at a parish. And that's a long time, but actually I didn't initially go to school for theology and ministry. I fell in love with it, but I'm actually a classically trained musician and composer. I have multiple undergraduate degrees and certificates in music, and I originally intended to become a composer for film and TV in Los Angeles. God had other plans, and I'm certainly very glad that he did. But my love for music continues, and it all started 20 years ago when I started teaching myself how to play my dad's old guitar. See, my dad and I have something in common. We were both in garage bands growing up. And you've probably seen them characterized in movies, but if you don't know, a garage band is essentially a group of teenagers pretending they can play instruments, but really they're just sweating and making loud noises in a garage together to have fun and probably irritate their neighbors and their parents. So I don't know if my dad's band was any good. It probably was. But most of the bands I was in were not. In fact, the first band I was ever in, we never even played instruments together. We just talked about it. We had a name, we had a brand, but we never actually played together. Still, we thought we were gonna make it. We thought we were gonna be famous. The bands I was in eventually got better. One actually produced an EP, played a few local parties and shows for our friends, but we never got famous. And I was thinking about this recently because I came across an article about the fact that many big companies got their starts in garages. In fact, Disney, Apple, Microsoft, Google, and Amazon all started in garages. Do you think that they knew at the time what they would become? Do you think they knew they'd become what they are now? I mean, probably not. I mean, there was probably a hope that they would make it, but who could have known what that would have looked like, what making it looked like today? The church, however, was different. 
it did have a humble sort of garage band beginning. I mean, Jesus was born in a humble major in a cave where animals were kept. And then he chose 12 rejected misfit sinners to follow him who didn't know how to play the instruments of ministry and, you know, temple worship and all of that. But the difference was they knew they were going to become something greater because Jesus told them. He set it into motion himself. He came to create a church and to set and plan emotions so that every single person on earth was to become his disciple through that church. That is why, as a disciple of Jesus, we must belong to a church community and experience what Jesus came to give us. Our local parish is a family of families. Whatever your family looks like, doesn't have to be a nuclear family or traditional family, but whatever that is, we are a community. Now, you may have thought or heard questions like this, why can't I just believe on my own? Why do I need to belong to any church? Can't I just be a good person, donate to charity, serve in the community, and pray on my own? Or another common phrase is this, I'm spiritual but not religious, or I don't like organized religion. And those are just ways of basically saying that a person doesn't trust the institutional structure of the church and just expects that there's going to be corruption and scandal. Now, have there been corruption and scandal in the church over the two centuries that it's, or not two centuries, two millennia that it's been around? Yes, but that's because Jesus chooses sinners to run his church. By being Catholic, the first thing we admit is that we are sinners in need of a savior. And so if you get a bunch of sinners together, even if they try really, really hard, they're still going to sin and mess up. That doesn't mean it's okay, but it means that being a church does not mean that we have to be perfect, but it means that we have a community to bring our mess to and to be led to the one who is perfect. Plus, if you don't like organized religion, I will tell you as someone who's worked in worked for the church for almost 15 years now, um, we're not that organized. <laughs> so, But in all seriousness, if you are a person who says they do not like or want to be a part of organized religion, then you are essentially rejecting Jesus. You're rejecting the church Jesus founded and what Jesus wanted for you. Like, if you believe in Jesus, that means you want to do what he said to do. And Jesus did three specific things that established the framework of his church and organized a church with a specific structure. We've talked about this before, but essentially these three things are, first, he chose specific people to carry out his work. He appointed Peter to be the visible head of his church. He says to Peter, and so I say, you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, Jesus does not say, you will be the church or receive the church. He says, build, as in, I want to commission you to create a structure. So Jesus builds his structure on specifically choosing human beings like Peter and the apostles to do it. He wanted them to do it and for it to evolve over time. So that's the first thing he does. The second thing he does is then he gives Peter and the other apostles the power and authority to do this and to carry out his work. He tells Peter, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. He gives him authority. And then he gives that authority to all of the apostles when he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them and whose sins you retain are retained. So that's the second thing he does. So he establishes a church with specific people in charge. Secondly, he gives those people authority. And then thirdly, he gives Peter and the apostles commands as to what they should do with that authority. At the Last Supper, he commands them, do this in memory of me. And so we have the Mass. 
He commands them to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And so we evangelize and we baptize and we initiate people into the sacramental life of the church. And he says, go into the world and proclaim the gospel to every creature. We teach the faith. We try and bring everyone into the family of our church community. Jesus set up a structure to deal with a diverse community who would not always agree and would also need to deal with conflict. He says this in Matthew, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have won over your brother. If he does not listen, take one or two others along with you so that every fact may be established on the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell the church. Jesus knew there would be a church in place for people to bring their mess to, for people to come and be together in, in the good times and the bad. This is a clear hierarchical structure with authority to teach, authority to grow and carry on the ministry of Jesus through the sacraments, through the Mass, and we continue to do all of this in memory of him. And so after Jesus commissions the apostles and sends them the Holy Spirit to assist them in this mission to build and spread the church, to bring the good news to everyone, the early church takes shape. And we read this in the Acts of the Apostles. We've maybe read this before. It says in the Acts of the Apostles, this is what the early church looked like. They devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles and to the communal life, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. Awe came upon everyone, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their property and possessions and divide them among all according to each one's need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple area and to breaking bread in their homes. They ate their meals with exultation and sincerity of heart, praising God and enjoying favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is a clear structure of community life, organization, and regular meetings for instruction and worship. They developed a clear hierarchy with deacons and priests and bishops with Peter at the head. In fact, when there's this question that arises in Acts of the Apostles in the very earliest days of the church about how they would treat Gentiles. And so the entire church community gathers in Jerusalem under the guidance and authority of St. Peter. It says the apostles and presbyters, that's priests, met together to see about this matter. After much debate had taken place, Peter got up and said to them, My brothers, you are well aware that from early days God made his choice among you that through my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and believe. And so that structure carries forth as Jesus intended it. Jesus intended to start a church, and he intended for us to belong to it, to live in it, to be a family of families. Now then, at the time, it was a different church. Um, it was different than the synagogues. So early Christians, they would still go to synagogue because they wanted to hear the word of God, which is the Old Testament. But then they would try and preach the good news of Jesus Christ as a fulfillment of those Jewish scriptures. And then they would go gather separately in homes near the synagogue, and they would break bread together and have their Christian worship, Christian mass. These house churches, they sprung up in every community. Some of them were underground or secret because for several hundred years, the church was being persecuted. And eventually the church still, despite being persecuted, got so big and Christianity became legal that buildings were bought or built as an established, uh, to establish them as churches. Sometimes the church became aligned with political authority and power, 
But as those things faded, the church became and remains today the largest charitable organization in the world. And every single parish, Catholic parish, is a nonprofit organization, a 501c3, to help serve the community where it is established. That's essentially what we have today, a church in every town, a cathedral in every major city, each one responsible for the area as the house of worship for every single soul in that area to belong to and to provide for the needs of the poor and those who are struggling or oppressed in that area. That was Jesus's plan, a home for every sinner to belong to and to encounter their Savior who loves them. That is why belonging to your parish is so important. So what does that mean for you as a disciple of Jesus Christ? What does it look like to actually belong to a parish? It's not just about showing up once a week. So I want to point back to a verse that I already read about the early church in that passage from Acts. It says this, they devoted themselves to four things, the teaching of the apostles, to the communal life, to the breaking of the bread, and to the prayers. And if we do those four things, we will be belonging to the church as Jesus intended. So the communal life, the first thing, how do you belong to the communal life of the church? Well, you have to engage, you have to be involved. And so oftentimes people don't realize this, there's a formal registration process for a parish. So when you move to a new area, or even if you've lived in an area for a long time, if you've never gone to the parish office and said, hey, I would like to register with this parish, then you don't receive any communications from the parish. You're not really in the know about what's going on. You may not get invited to certain things. Um, and that's not because the church doesn't want you there. It's just because it doesn't know that you consider yourself a member or that you live in the area. And so go register at your parish. You'll get communications from them. Every parish has physical boundaries and they're responsible for every soul within that boundary because we want every single person on the planet to know the love of Jesus Christ and the truth he revealed and continues to reveal through the church he founded. But a lot of times we don't have the resources to go out and knock on every single door in a giant city, the more populous certain cities are. And so we need to do our due diligence to make sure our churches know, I'm here, I wanna to belong to this community. What do you have going on? What do you have available? And so once you do that, then you get involved and then you try and contribute to the needs of the parish, both in your talent and financially. Uh, and we do that because, well, every parish has operating costs, um, you know, they're, um, they're all nonprofit organizations, so it's not for them to make money and line their pockets, but it's because we need to keep the lights on every time, you know, music is playing in the church or you're receiving communion, we actually have to buy those hosts and buy that wine and buy those vestments and make sure the church is kept up and all those things. But apart from that, every single, you know, area within the church's boundary has certain needs. And so when you donate, when you tithe to your parish, a lot of that money goes to serving the community within those parish boundaries, feeding the hungry, giving drink to the thirsty, sheltering the homeless. A lot of different charitable organizations are all funneled money from that parish collection basket. And so if you want to get more involved in the community, if you want to make a difference, the best way you can do that in belonging to your parish is to donate to your parish's weekly collection or to get involved in things like the pastoral services appeal, the PSA, every year when that comes around. So that's part of engaging in the community life, getting involved, letting your parish know you're there, receiving those communications, and then contributing to the needs of the parish so that they can provide for the needs of everyone in the community, yourself included. That's the communal life. Secondly is the breaking of the bread, that we are fully, actively, consciously participating in the mass. 
that we are going to Mass every single week and on Holy Days of Obligation, that we are receiving communion once a year. That's a basic minimum requirement of all Catholics. We're supposed to go to Mass every Sunday and Holy Day of Obligation, but we have to, at minimum, receive communion while we're there once, at least once a year um, in a state of grace. And then that's where we can contribute also to the financial well-being of the Church, um, you know, participating in that highest prayer, that highest act of worship that we have as Catholics in the breaking of the bread. That's what it means to belong. And when we do that, making sure we're showing up at an appropriate time, having reverence, we're not just trying to jet out after communion, but, you know, at a at a parish, a lot happens before and after. It's an opportunity to meet, to commune with people, to get to know your fellow parishioners and really be a family of families and build that community so that we can then go out and invite more people to join us. So that's the breaking of the bread. Thirdly is the teachings of the apostles. Now, your parish community has programs. It has opportunities for you to learn about your faith. And we're meant to do that from our own study, from reading scripture and things like the catechism, but also participating in those formation programs. There's not this idea, I don't know where this idea comes from sometimes where people think they age out of faith formation. That just because you're not in school anymore, you don't need to be in church school. No, there's always a formation program or a book study or a small group, a Bible study, some kind of thing to engage where you're at and help you learn about your faith. Some of it might be online, some of it might be, you know, a nonprofit organization that's Catholic that provides this, or a digital ministry like Word on Fire with Bishop Barron, and a lot of things are provided at your parish. Um, but just because you're a certain age, or just because you go to Catholic school, doesn't mean that you don't have a, ne a necessary need to participate in the formation that's offered you at your parish. We will never know everything about our faith. There's always more to learn. And so one of the most stifling things that we can do in our involvement in a church community is just kind of assume, oh, those things that the church is offering me, I don't need those. I don't need to be reminded. I already know that. Well, A, it doesn't help to have a refresher even if you already do. But B, you probably don't know absolutely everything that you think is offered at those things. And thirdly, C, you have an opportunity to meet some more people in this family of families. You know, so maybe the thing you need to learn is who is this person sitting next to you at this program, even if you don't learn any new information. And how do you find out about that stuff? Well, check out your parish bulletin, check out the website, see what's going on, going back to the communal life, engage in the community, and then take the initiative to get involved. Not only for you in your own area of knowledge or age level, but your family. If you have children, if you have siblings, if you have people in your house, Odds are there's something. There's something available. And if it's not great, give feedback. You know, offer to help. See a need, fill a need. I think a lot of times we go to church and we participate in these things as observers, to be entertained, just to receive, receive, receive. But really, if you look at what it looks like in the Acts of the Apostles, everyone is contributing. Everyone is offering their gifts. Everyone is helping to bring together something for the entire parish community. So get involved, go to the breaking of the bread, the mass, and find a way to learn more about the teachings of the apostles. And then lastly is the devotion to the prayers, the sacramental life of the church, going to confession, getting baptized and confirmed, having your children, your families baptized and confirmed in the church. A lot of people don't know this, that every baptized Catholic is required by canon law to get married in the Catholic church 
or their marriage will be considered sacramentally invalid. It's something called lack of form, lack of the Catholic form that is needed for a Catholic baptized person to have a valid Catholic marriage. Uh, doing things like getting your house blessed, having a deacon or a priest from the parish come and bless your home, and then inviting the parish life into your home, living liturgically. So fasting and feasting in your home. So for instance, in our family, we try and decorate our home based on different liturgical seasons or feasts that are going on. We fast and abstain from meat every Friday of the whole year. We try and feast and celebrate on Sundays. Um, maybe doing things like celebrating your baptism days as little um, Jesus birthdays and doing something um, fun that is wholesome or prayerful and bringing that liturgical life home. That's what it means to be a part of this community, to recognize it's just not this one strange random thing that we do for an hour on Sunday, like any other task, like going to Target, but we bring that home in such a way that it influences who we are. You know, from the very beginning of this series, we've talked about these universal desires that we all share, right? We all have this desire for love, for belonging, for truth, goodness, and beauty. And those desires to belong those await fulfillment in your local parish community. I'm not gonna tell you it's gonna be perfect. I'm not gonna tell you everything is gonna be enjoyable or great or you won't have conflict, but Jesus wanted us to have a messy community where we can bring our mess and still find a way to do life joyfully together. You yourself, you have unique gifts and a unique personality to offer and enrich that community. You never age out and you're never too young to be involved. Jesus essentially built it for you. You cannot recreate that type of community on your own or in any other place on the planet or trying to create alternative experiences of church. There is no garage church because Jesus came to create a place for us to belong to him. This is what Jesus intended for us. So he's waiting to give you a gift, to bless you abundantly through your parish because that is our home everyone's home, no matter who you are or what you have done. So come home, because that is where you belong.